Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. This is a tough time to release a new book. I've been there. I remember when there was an act of terror that coincided with the release of one of my books, And it bumped me from a number of interviews that were upcoming because, understandably, you know, everyone was consumed with front page stories like that which is currently playing itself out in Israel and Gaza. Melissa DeRosa is popping through, however. Do you remember her? Melissa DeRosa served as New York State Governor Andrew Cuomo's communications director and chief of staff in 2017. DeRosa, one of the most powerful women in New York State government history, shattered a glass ceiling when she was appointed the first female to ever serve as secretary to the governor, a job description that probably doesn't match your definition of the word secretary. Her brand new book is called What's Left Unsaid. This is Melissa DeRosa. Melissa, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me on, Michael. It's not exactly that you were making luncheon reservations and taking dictation, right? (laughs) Secretary has a totally different meaning in this context. Yeah, secretary to the governor in New York is a constitutional position. It's essentially the the you know New York version of the White House chief of staff. You would think they would change the name. 
You would. It's very outdated. But, you know, it's funny, Michael, because I was the first female to hold that role, and no one ever pointed out that when you have the role of secretary, the governor, it sounds like, you know, you're talking about steno pads when every male before me had it, every like the automatic sort of respect that came with it and sort of the summoning of secretary of state is what people thought of. So it was very interesting. Um, and people have now talked about changing that title as a result. Oh, God, I know what a steno pad is. <laughs> I'm dating my I'm dating myself and you're dating yourself. Um, I know. I know. Let me ask you the Al Franken question about Cuomo. Should he have resigned? You know, it's a complicated question because at the time we were dealing with, and I'm, I'm sure you remember, Michael, it was a very intense national story. We were dealing with unrelenting press corps and unrelenting calls for resignation. And Andrew Cuomo's instinct is always sort of to stay and fight. And the issue was that in New York, the state constitution doesn't have any sort of threshold like high crimes and misdemeanors, like there is in the U.S. Constitution when it comes to impeachment. And so you all of a sudden had, within hours of the Attorney General's report coming out, enough votes in the Assembly saying we were going to move to impeach, which then would automatically trigger a removal from office pending trial. And in the State Senate, there's no legal rules for how the trial is done. There's no due process guarantees, et cetera. And you already had all the votes identified to say we are going to actually move to say that he's guilty. So it was a fait accompli. So in our instance, I think had there been real due process rights there, I think had there been certain guarantees for the governor, I think knowing Andrew Cuomo the way that I do, and I think I think sort of the world knows that he's a, a fighter, I think he would have wanted to stay and fight. But in this instance, it would have just dragged out this terrible legal process while we were all still reeling from COVID. And it would have just been a distraction from trying to get shots in arms and getting the state up and running. And so he made the decision to resign. What I remember is that at the time I looked at polling data and the polling data had uh, there was a divide, a demographic divide, a racial divide, that the support that Andrew Cuomo maintained among African-Americans was significantly higher than that among whites in broad strokes. And I remember doing commentaries here on radio at the time and saying he could win if he would run after he'd resigned. If he ran for that old gig, I think he could win it. Do you do you agree with that assessment? I do. I mean, you know, Michael, it's funny. I write in the book at the very end of the book. I talk about after sort of the dust settled, after he resigns, after the five district attorneys look at the attorney general's report one by one come out and say there is no there there there's no you know case to be brought and these were not democratic district attorney generals it was black white male female republican democrat so her case entirely sort of implodes and then in the spring of 2022 everyone was sort of wondering is andrew cuomo going to try to reclaim the governorship and we were doing internal polling and there was public polling going on that showed us within the margin of error of Hochul in the Democratic primary. And the thing that was driving that was African-Americans and older voters. And I think to your point, both the generational divide and the racial divide was there was a healthy amount of skepticism about sort of the overreaction around Me Too and is kissing a woman on a cheek sort of a, you know, a death penalty offense. Is putting your hand on a woman's waist for a photograph a death penalty offense? 
And I think that black voters, older voters are able to sort of approach the topic with much more nuance and skepticism. And I think that they believe that he was an effective governor who got things done for them. And so they were willing to continue to support him. And I think to this day, that's true. The book is called What's Left Unsaid, My Life at the Center of Power, Politics and Crisis. Melissa DeRosa. This is Book Club with Michael Smirconish from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM, Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. The book is called What's Left Unsaid, My Life at the Center of Power, Politics, and Crisis, Melissa DeRosa. So from the book, how surprised were you on this issue of whether he should have resigned by President Biden? I... (laughs) You know, I love the president personally. I have known him for years. I worked for he and Obama um, through their political apparatus when I was in my 20s. You know, and I've always regarded him as someone with great moral character. And I have to tell you that when he went out and called for Cuomo's resignation and the words that he used, which were so out of step with the man that I know, which is, look, I didn't read the report, but I know what the attorney general says. And she says one thing, and I said at the beginning, whatever the attorney general says, and so I'm going to go with it. And Michael, as, as everybody knows, I mean, Joe Biden has been accused of sexual assault by Tara Reid. And after Tara Reid's accusations of sexual assault, 
I think it was something like 11 women quickly followed with their own various claims of misconduct. And, you know, for him, I think it was sort of a demonstration of the politicization of the Me Too movement because he was able to survive that, right? The media was not interested in seizing on a story in March of 2020 that could have helped Donald Trump win. Everyone was sort of in the tank for Biden. They wanted him to win. They were not, the left media was not interested in pushing that forward. And then at the same time, um, you know, he was, he was able to withstand that. All of the voices who had called for Franken to resign and the Democratic Party fell silent. But you would think that someone who himself has been accused of something like that wouldn't be so glib about you should resign. The details don't matter. That story, so I was, that story I was, never got traction. The, the Tara Reid story got just traction. never got traction for reasons I couldn't understand because, I mean, I had to say, if it had been someone on the other side of the aisle, there would have been much more intense scrutiny. But I, I think such was the concern about Trump among Democrats, like, hey, we're, we're not going to delve into this. A hundred percent. And I mean, again, that shows the political nature and sort of the weaponization of the Me Too movement, right? It's like, when it when it when it's about Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, I think the party and the media treated the allegations much, much differently than they did against an Al Franken or they did against the Brett Kavanaugh. So from the book, what's left unsaid, talk to me about this discussion of Trump in 2020 with your former boss, Governor Andrew Cuomo, and whether Cuomo is going to speak at the Democratic National Convention. You know, I so in the book, I recount a number of what I think people will find very eye-opening anecdotes about our dealings with, with Trump and with Jared Kushner throughout the pandemic. Some I think people will just find fascinating because it's sort of fly on the wall. I bring you in the room. I bring you on the phone for these conversations. Others I think people will be unsurprised by but still find interesting. Um, but the governor, we had sort of agreed to a peace with Trump, with Jared Kushner in the summer of 2020 because we were trying to just get through the day. We didn't want them firing at us every second. We needed, we needed to be able to try to get New York's economy up and running. And so, as you remember, Michael, I'm sure Trump was hypersensitive to anyone criticizing him. And so we struck this peace deal with him where we wouldn't criticize him any longer. We would stand down and we would try to work together, you know, sort of peacefully coexist. And then the governor does the Democratic convention speech in 20, uh, 2020, in August of 2020, and Trump just absolutely loses his mind. He goes on Twitter. He does 13 different tweets attacking the governor. Um, and then the next morning, I get a phone call from Jared Kushner. You know, the deal is off. Like, you know, basically it's on. And within days of that, we find out that the Department of Justice was being directed to investigate us on nursing homes. Um, and, and so, you know, it, it, was, it, it was a crazy time. I mean, Trump was obviously dictating the actions of the Justice Department. Trump was deciding who was going to be able to get what in terms of federal supplies. We were in the middle of a once-in-a-century pandemic. It was tantamount to wartime in this country in terms of what we needed on the front lines. And he was exactly who people believed he was. He was a bully who, you know, was using his government resources to direct and, you know, sort of pull back from his perceived political enemies. I have a 98-year-old aunt who is in an upstate Pennsylvania nursing home. Um, in a different era, she was the coat check girl at the St. Regis. So she's got, you know, New York cred. 
And yep. like in that era when Cuomo would have those those daily press conferences, I'm just asking everybody to go back in time and think about the attention that he received and how high he was. And like she would that was the that was her whole day would revolve around, you know, watching Governor Cuomo give his his briefing. People need to be reminded of just uh, at a pinnacle he was at the time. And there was such speculation that he would run. How close did he come to running? You know, we didn't think in 2020, when we were in the middle of COVID, we didn't think about it at all. We were thinking about running in 2019. And that's something I write about in my book, which has never been reported on before, which was we we were thinking about the governor was thinking about running for president. We thought he would be the best to go up against against um, excuse me Donald Trump and you know we flew down to Virginia and the governor met with Steve Reschetti and with Joe Biden and they had this conversation about you know Joe Biden making his case if we both run at the same time we're going to cannibalize the middle we're going to end up with a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren and you're young and you'll you'll have your shot and it was compelling enough a case to Cuomo that he agreed to stand down and to support Joe Biden ever since. What was fascinating, Michael, was that during COVID, when it was very clear that Biden was on track to become the Democratic Party nominee, Trump became obsessed with this notion that that the Democratic Party was going to swap out at the last minute Joe Biden for Andrew Cuomo, which was a, a huge factor in, in what drove the federal response to New York throughout the entire COVID pandemic. So it was this insane sort of, and of course that was never going to happen. I mean, in 2020, when when Biden had the nomination locked up, you don't just swap out one candidate for another. That was never even on the table, despite all of the, you know, public acolytes and the support the governor was getting for that. That was never something that was being contemplated. But it was driving Trump absolutely crazy. And so when he could, he was vindictive to us. When he could, he would try to hold resources and support over us as leverage to get us to stand down and say positive things about him. It was really just like an alternate universe. What is Andrew Cuomo's future? You know, that's a question for Andrew Cuomo, but knowing him as long as I've known him and and being here in New York, I mean, there's certainly an appetite, I think, for him to run again. I think that, you know, the city and the state are are in a bad place. Um, I think that coming out of the pandemic, we haven't found our footing like a lot of Democratic cities across the country. The migrant crisis is compounding that problem. It really feels like there's a severe leadership vacuum. And a lot of insiders who I think were happy to sort of see Cuomo go on the outset because they viewed him as having too much power for too long are saying, if Andrew Cuomo were here, this wouldn't be happening. If Andrew Cuomo were here, the migrant crisis would be in control. And so I think that there's certainly a lane for him again if he wants it. And I also think that, you know, as time has gone by, people have seen the attorney general's report for what it was, which was a political document. It's been largely discredited. And I think when people read my book, they will they'll be shocked by the revelations in it about exactly how that report was done and and what was in it in the end. So we're not giving it all away for free. What's left unsaid is Melissa DeRosa's book. The uh, the takeaway that's getting all the attention so far is the story that you tell in the book about the Times reporter assigned to cover the misconduct allegations against Andrew Cuomo himself being inappropriate, according to you, uh, when the two of you were in one another's company. That's not my question. My question is this. What's in the book that you think thus far people haven't discovered that Melissa DeRosa thinks that's the real nugget. I'm kind of surprised that 
They aren't writing more about X. What's X? You know, I think that the book, <laughs> there's something for everyone, honestly. The book is, first of all, it's, it, I, I view that when we were living through COVID, it was sort of like that's the first draft of history. We were in the fog of COVID war, sort of, and that was the first draft written by the press at a moment in time when it was hard to see straight. And this is the next draft of history, and it's written by, with a firsthand account. It's incredibly personal. I really open up about what was going on in my marriage, dealing with infertility, my mental health struggles, dealing with COVID. But then, of course, there is, you know, a lot on Trump and Jared and what was going on with the White House. Give me a nugget. (laughs) Give me give me a nugget before you leave. (laughs) They've got it. They've got to buy the book to find out. But there are lots of eye-popping revelations in what's been out in the press so far. It doesn't come close to, to what's in the entire book. So it comes out Tuesday, and I hope people buy it. What's left unsaid? Melissa DeRosa. Thank you, Melissa. I wish you good things with the book. Thanks so much, Michael. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays.